Hi everyone and welcome to Philosophy Rekindled with our focus book, the 1920 published version of Tertium Morganum by P.D. Spensky. Today we are discussing chapter 23. This is part 4. You will find the audio version of this chapter as an additional audio to this podcast and you'll also find additional information on our website philosophyrekindled.com. Today my guest is Peter Lancet, hypnotherapist, author and classic scholar. And I'm Alice Flanagan, fiction author, computer programmer and podcaster. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome Pete. Well Pete, we're up to a very interesting part of the book and I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. I'm just going to preface it with where we left off because after the annihilation of Dr Buck's book, which we, we had a lot of uh, great, great uh, fun with. Um, yep. The next bit gets a bit serious. So Aspensky starts, well, where we finished last week was, but after all, various little imperfections of Dr. Buck's book are not important, nor additions which might possibly be made. What is important is the general conclusion to which Dr. Buck comes, the possibility and the imminence of the new consciousness in capitals, new consciousness. All that announces to us the nearness and the next bits in capitals of the new humanity. Okay, right, well, yeah, new humanity. Good luck with that. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting what comes next. So, so let's, let's take a look at it. We are building without taking into consideration the fact that a new master, new master in capital letters, must come who may not at all like everything that we have built. I've got news for you. I don't need any master, old or new, and neither does any human being. This is what should frighten people. And anybody that's a big supporter of Uspensky needs to look at this very closely. This is how he ends the book, by the way. We're, we're on the home straight here. This is the book coming to its end. And this is what he wants to prep you for. Let's let's look at that. Yeah, because when I read that, I went, what? He he continues and says... Oh, there's worse, there's worse that comes in the, in this next few paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's continue. Yeah, let's, let's go for it. Yeah. So he says, our, and then in inverted commas, social sciences, yeah, sociology, sociology mm -hmm. and so forth, have in view only man. Whilst, as I have several times shown before, the concept of man, in inverted commas, is a complex one and includes in itself two types going along different paths. He says in mine, not two types, he says, which and includes in itself different categories of men going along different paths. Ooh. In other words, he allows for there being more than two. So we've got, we go from the simple savage to the cunning savage to the four-year-old child and the simple woman, to the mass of people, and then we're coming to what he thinks he is. Because be in no doubt that Uspensky, having written this book, thinks that he's one of the creatures that he's now going to tell us all about. Be in no doubt. Yes, I think, you, I think you're 100% right there. And this is what he thinks that, that other category is. The future belongs not to man, in italics, but to Superman. Still in italics. Yeah. Yes. Who is already born and lives among us. Right. Okay. Let's let's begin. Yes. Because there's more to come, but let's let's begin. Um, first of all, this concept of Superman, 
he got from Friedrich Nietzsche, the 19th century German philosopher, great philosopher, much maligned, much misquoted. But the idea of the Übermensch, the Superman, the Overman, Superman is the, the general translation, comes directly from Nietzsche. He wouldn't have got it anywhere else. Not that phrase. The idea that some men are more equal than others, he could have got anywhere. Because there are mm. there are creatures more walking amongst us that have always believed that and have preserved their bloodlines accordingly. Anyway, so it, it belongs not to man, but to Superman. Well, it never belonged to man. No, not, not for thousands of years it never belonged to man. It's been a long time belonging to man. But um, we have been given um, a pretense of freedom. We have. And we had up to Ospensky's time to a degree. But what he's telling us is now, well, you can forget all about that because the Superman is coming. Remember what was just in, above in capital letters? The new master. He's going to be unhappy with us, unruly, ordinary men. And the new master will be the greatest of the supermen. <laughs> let's, let's, let's imagine a pyramid-style hierarchy here. Hmm. Is everybody feeling comfortable about that? Really? Yeah? yeah okay. I'm let's not. carry on. No, <laughs> nor me. Um, so... This idea that the Superman who is already born and lives amongst us. Now, he isn't referring to one single person here. When he's talking not to man, that's man in general, but to Superman who is already... In other words, there is already men living amongst us that are of this Superman category. When he says this Superman and, and that they're born and live amongst us, have they got specific characteristics, or is it... Yeah, they have. They're uh, psychopaths. Who... They're the bastards that are ruling you now. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm That's, just checking. Isn't, 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 that, isn't, that a, isn't that enough of a characteristic? They're narcissistic psychopaths. That's, that's a great characteristic, isn't it? Listen, just to call yourself Superman, Ubermensch, isn't that enough? If you've got somebody that stands before you and says, right, whenever you address me, you're going to bow your head. Hang on, when you talk to me, you're going to call me your majesty. Has anybody, instead of it just being a phrase that's thrown away, has anybody ever, listening to this, you or anybody listening, has anybody ever deconstructed that little phrase, your majesty? What the hell are you doing to yourself when you call somebody else that? Where are you putting them, and where are you putting yourself? Your highness. And why? Your highness. Why? Because they've told you to, and you're dumb enough to go along with it. And then it becomes under, th when anybody wants to resist that, it becomes under threat. What, what happens when you take on the establishment? Show me in history what happens. Anybody? Bueller? Anyone? Bueller? Anyone? It never ends well for the revolution the revolutionaries, because what you get with a revolution is you swap one ubermensch for another ubermensch. You never have a people's revolution. So what the hell is Ospensky doing here? Why He's telling he us that him and all of his other occult scientists are a wave above us and we are going to end up doing what they say. 
He's given us this little glimpse that we we can work on consciousness and we can try to elevate ourselves. But believe me, there are people here that are already there. And you and 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 by the way, he doesn't call them angels or somebody that's going to help guide and elevate you to this new position. He calls them supermen and master. Did, did the master race, is that a phrase that's, that's been used in the last hundred years anywhere? Master race? Anyone? Bueller? Anyone? Yeah, it has, hasn't it? Yeah. It has. It mm. has. Just before this book, just after this, this sort of era of this book. Well, okay, so this is bad enough. and then Yeah, oh, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Yeah. Uh, here we go. A higher race is rapidly emerging among humanity, and it is emerging by reason of its quite remarkable understanding of the world and of life. That's true. I have absolutely no problem with that, other than the emerging bit. It's been here for a while, and it's, it's not like you and me. It's always been the Superman. That's why we've had royalty, serfdom and all the other yeah. things that have enslaved humanity. The Industrial Revolution. All of these things. Credit cards. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm even going before that. With technology, you can do a lot. You can enslave a lot easier, a lot broader, and a lot faster. I'm going back to his day and, and the, the centuries before. There wasn't a great deal of change from the 18th century to when Espensky was writing. It really wasn't. Yes, we had steam power, we had the Industrial Revolution, but it, was a, it wasn't a huge, fast-moving thing. You know, once we started getting credit cards, you've got everybody done. Once you've got universal credit, then, then we're done. Universal banking, universal credit. But we'll, we'll, let's, let's stick at where he is. This higher, higher race rapidly emerging by reason of its quite remarkable understanding of the world and life. They always understood it. Which is why they, this is why they can influence you. This is why they can enslave you. It goes like this. The super race, let, let's face it, when we are hunter-gatherers, everybody has to play their part. They do. Yeah, that, that's true. The super race doesn't want to play its part. So basically, it'll use things like a, an understanding of, of mathematics. And so it will follow the stars and it will say oh there's going to be a, a, a lunar eclipse there's going to be a solar eclipse now they say when the sun goes uh when the when it gets dark in an eclipse and by the way this is just one example when the sun goes dark in an eclipse and everybody is cowering down and feeling where's the sun gone do we live in perpetual darkness the smart ass superman turns up and says if you will do what i say i will bring the sun back do whatever it takes, because without the sun, we've got no crops. We have no life. Okay, bang. Sun, come back. Well, you know that it is. It's going to reemerge after, you know, <laughs> the eclipse lasts for how long? An hour at the most. And it comes back. And suddenly, you don't have to work. I will spend my life sorting out where there's going to be a problem with the sun, and I'll make sure that you are safe. You go and work in the fields and give me half of everything you make. Yeah. By the way, yes. with that half, with that half, I'm going to make sure that nobody comes and does anything to us. So I'm going to take the biggest and the strongest amongst us, and they are going to be trained as soldiers. They're not going to work in the fields like you, but they will keep you safe. Well, actually, they're going to keep me safe, but you don't know that yet. Um, and so we have 
a bodyguard, a standing army, a clever twat that knows how the eclipse works, that's worked it out, how that works, and you've got a population that think he's some kind of fucking god. Well, here we go. And it starts there, and it never ended. And look where we are now. And so, we're not, we're not even talking about bloodlines here, but bloodlines do come into it. I'm not going to talk about that for this, because I don't want to go down the tinfoil hat route just yet, but this higher race is these people. It's them. And people that they allow into their little circle that they recognize are like where does this where's Spensky gone who are these remarkable people well we know where they are in in western europe and in the the north american uh, setup we know where they are in south america they're all the europeans that went there um he'd spoken to gurdjieff gurdjieff had gone to the east and he'd gone to the difficult places and spoken with what he calls remarkable men. For remarkable men, you might want to substitute um, the Superman, or you know the the higher race, or the masters. Do any of you ascensionistas out there that may be listening? Um, you raise your vibration, people. Um, a lot, and and you angel people. You probably talk about ascended masters, don't you? <laughs> Dickheads. Keep talking about them. Keep believing in it, ascended masters. Yeah. You are sl enslaving yourself by your thoughts. And ascended masters. I went to one bloody thing um, a couple of years ago where you're going to be taught, you, you're going to be aligned with the, the rays of Gaia. Now, I thought it was a load of shit, and I paid the money to go um, because I was so interested. It sounded so ridiculous. And when I got to this room where we were all going to meet to, to, to be aligned and attuned with the first ray of Gaia, <laughs> yeah, you, you can laugh, take the moment, there was a table set up. And then on this table, there were, there were framed photographs standing, many of them, you know, looking like Chinese um, monks and uh, elderly sort of, I don't know, religious pictures. There was Mother Teresa in there. You know, the child trafficker, Mother Teresa, as it's, as it's now emerged, for those people who didn't realise it a long time ago. Um, but yes, she was on there. Nikola Tesla was on there. <laughs> don't ask. But what really took me was I asked who these people were. You know, I mean, I said I recognised some of them in the pictures as well. And this lady that was taking this, that was doing this attunement for us, she said, those represent, you know, those are our ascended masters. Well, I, I did have to choke back a howl of laughter, especially since one of the framed photographs was Diana Spencer, the ex-princess of Wales. What? Yes, what? So, yeah, ascended masters, behave yourselves. Get over it. Live your own bloody lives, you silly fuckers. Come out of it. Really ascended masters in my arms. <laughs> anyway, the, the, Gurdjieff had seen masters on earth, not ascended. What, Which what, ones did he, did he speak to? Who well, did he read go this to talk book. to? I mean, he went to the East. He went to all these places. You won't, have, you won't know of these people, even if I say it. You know, they, these are not, okay. you know, this isn't like, oh, he went to see Changai, Czech. This is people, you've heard, have you heard of the, the phrase Shangri-La? Do you know what Shangri-La is supposed to be? No, I have heard. You've never heard. I don't know what it means. Oh, thank God for that! 
So this place where there's everlasting youth and everything is perfect. This it's it's almost like Atlantis. This 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 place. Well, he went to the places where Shangri-La is supposed to be, and God knows what else, and you know all of this nonsense. Be, this is this is way above and beyond things like the Dalai Lama. This is really secret occult stuff. You know, um, and Gurdjieff went there, and you'd have had to have gone, you know, pretty much on foot. It's not like it's not like you could get a plane now. You couldn't just you couldn't just phone the airline and say, "I want to go to where these these secret places where remarkable men are." <laughs> you know, he, he did he did the hard yards well. Uspensky was a disciple of Gurdjieff. I think disciple is the right word to use here for quite some time. They had a bit of a falling out at the end, but he was, and he would have got, he would have had the Superman idea really well established, which by the way, I've mentioned Nietzsche, but Uspensky, uh, do we need to mention again, was a follower of Helena Blavatsky and the Theosophical Movement, and Helena Blavatsky talks about these master races and ascended masters all the bloody time. So, you know, this all rings true with Uspensky, and he wants to be the Superman, doesn't he? Because he surrounded himself with all of this Superman stuff. He's, he's familiar with Nietzsche. He is a disciple of theosophy. He really is. And then he met Gurdjieff. Oh my God, there is this, there's something above humanity. I want to be that. I want to be it. And he went out of his way to try to be it. Whether he is, I, I doubt. Well, yes, it remains to be seen. However, uh, shall we continue? Yeah, sure. He says, the sign of the men in this new race is a new consciousness, a new conscience. That's not mine. Oh, that's really? Not in mine. Because I've got this in the capitals as well. Well, that's not the sign of it. Let me tell you, let me tell you what he's got in mind that really is the mm. sign of the new consciousness. Okay? The men approaching the transition into a new race begin already to know one another. Already are established passwords and countersigns. Masonic, anybody? Masons, anybody? Oh Bueller, anyone? Come on. And by the way, we're talking about really high levels of Masons, not the dicks that are on the ground floor that do all the fetching and carrying. We're talking about the Ubermensch, the ones at the top. But all of Masons have their secret signs and their little silly handshakes and their trouser leg rolled up and all the rest of the stupidity that goes with it. Um, so, yes, there are. And by the way, it's not just Masons. There are other soci secret societies, like occult societies, that also have these things. Um, so, you know, this is where we are. Well, Uspensky, um, keep, let's, let's keep going and see where you're taking us. Yes, yeah, well, let's just see what the differences are too because I haven't got anything about secret handshakes. It says, we shall know them because they will be conscious of more things. They uh, will see more and know more than the ordinary man. They do, but they do. They, they do because education's been designed to keep the ordinary man from it. Society has been engineered so you have no chance of doing it. Why do you think that jungle societies... And native societies all around the world, from North America, where they had to be genocided, Australia, where they had to be genocided, for two slightly different reasons, but they are always oppressed and suppressed and belittled. They don't want us to actually evolve, you know, individually. 
They don't want us to expand individually. We're kept out, away from it constantly. And they do know each other by their signs and symbols and God knows what else. Uh, he says they will not be able to, and in italics, close their eyes to what they see and therefore will be able to see farther. They will not be able not to think, in italics, about what they know and therefore they will know more. And he continues, they will not be able to, in italics, absolve themselves and therefore will be more conscious. Yeah, you got right. that? No, don't have any of that. He didn't like that at all. So he's cho he's chopped it out of the the next version. Yep. Well, he, he actually continues a little bit further. He says these men will always see clearly in italics their responsibility for that which they do, and they will be unable to put this responsibility upon others. <laughs> in other words. There's going to be one morality for you and a different morality for them because they see the truth and they see the unnecessary nature of the enslaving morality that is like a cage wrapped around entire societies. Oh, well, shall I continue or shall we see what yours is to say? Well, my, mine talks about, well, yeah, I mean, look, mine, mine literally just says, you know, it, about the higher race, it says it will be impossible for anything to be bought or appropriated to oneself by deceit or might. Not only will this race be, but it already is. The men approaching the transition, as I've said, into a new race begin already to know one another, already are established passwords and countersigns. And perhaps those social and political questions so sharply put forward in our time may be solved on quite another plane and by quite a different method than we think may be solved by the entrance into the arena of a new race conscious of itself, which will judge the old races. Doesn't sound good, does it? It doesn't sound good at all. They don't sound friendly if all they're going to do is come here with their superior ways and then judge us. Because let's put it this way. When you say they'll come here to judge us, then there is no implication whatsoever that they'll judge us and say, you know what, you're really good. <laughs> they'll be judging us and saying you're inferior pieces of shit and you will do what we say all you are, all you are fate useful for is beasts of burden you will carry the load for us that's what judgment means it's interesting he has rewritten this whole page i i have a, a demarcation line there and then we move on to something else we, we move on he, he he starts talking about the imperfections in Dr. Bock again, and it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, well, I've got quite a bit of stuff, um, but, you know, there's no need to go through it all because uh, I will, will have read it on to take. But, yeah, it's basically all along that same line. Um, you know, we'll, we'll know the right thing to do and we'll let you know all about it. Yeah, well, they did. They have done. They've shown us what what they want us to be. And we and we have acquiesced and become it. Vaccine anyone? Coronavirus vaccine anyone? Get it here. Get it now. We're already. And if you it. don't get it, stay home forever. <laughs> don't come out. Well, in in New Zealand and in Canada, they're already talking about camps to put people who won't have the vaccine in to ensure, of course, the safety of everyone. Now, we've had camps in the last 100 years, well, you know, 120 years, started by the British in South Africa, 
were um, particularly famous. In Germany and Eastern Europe, where the Germans invaded, in the mid-20th century, we called them concentration camps. Please tell me what the difference is between a concentration... By the way, there's a huge difference between a death camp like Auschwitz-Birkenau and a concentration camp. Concentration camp means exactly what it says. It's where you concentrate people who are resisting your establishment. They concentrated them there in that place so they didn't have to go looking for them. You know, the, the phrase concentration camp has this this feeling to it that people that don't look into language and they certainly don't look into history, it, it actually triggers something within them. And most people think that concentration camps are death camps. They're not. They're not the same thing. The death camp is a concentration camp. A concentration camp is not necessarily a death camp, although people would have died there. They're not the same machine. But concentration camps are, are already here. So, you know, with the coronavirus thing. So it'd be interesting where, where this goes. But coming back to Spensky, we know full well that he is a great believer of the Ubermensch, that it's, it's already here. What he resists saying is that it's always been here. It's, well, in, in recorded human history, it's always been here. Um, I don't know whether he knew that at this point or whether he is resisting saying it. It's interesting that he changed all of that bit that you read for the bit that I read. I think it may be he looked at it and thought, am I giving too much away here? Am I stimulating people to actually think of something that I don't really want them to? Or that the powers that be wouldn't want want them to. I don't See, know. It's so counterintuitive to the rest of the book where he's talking about, look, you know, this is possible. This is to start thinking differently, get rid of science, blah, blah, blah. And even to the conclusion when we get to that, that's another story. But this bit almost seems out of character for the book. <laughs> it's it's almost like the evil twin has come in and taken over and written <laughs> a page or two. I'm I'm not giving him a pass. I I see him all the way through it. Um, it's because I'm not a fan in the way that you are. I enjoy the book. I can take sections out of it that that are valid and useful. But but as a book on the whole, and as him as a person, no, he's not for me. And this, this is the the beauty. This this end end chapter, really, it's like it's like he's pulled the curtain back, in the Wizard of Oz on himself. He's let us see what he is. He's not the greatest writer, and he's not clever at putting things across in a way that disguises his intention. So here he is, and he's telling us everything. I think it's pretty grim. I think it's grim. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. Uh, so let's get on to Dr. Buck. In my remarks, I called attention to certain imperfections in Dr. Buck's book arising chiefly from the strange indecisiveness of his, from his timidity in asserting the dominant significance of the new consciousness. He says this results from the desire of Dr. Buck to establish the future of humanity from a positivistic standpoint upon social and political revolutions. Okay, so... Let's take a baseball bat at Uspensky's face again. Instead of talking about Dr. Buck, which you know, I'm neither here nor there, let's see why. Let's, 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 get, let's get to the nitty-gritty here. He talks about 
um, imperfections in Buck arrive, arising chiefly, significant word, chiefly, from a strange indecisiveness of his, from his timidity in, and let's get, he hasn't done it, but let, let us do it. Let's put this in capitals and in quotes and in italics. His timidity in asserting the dominant significance of the new consciousness. In other words, we're going to be dominated by this new master race. Buck didn't say that. He said that all of us would evolve at the same time in the same old way. That, you see, Spensky knew that evolution was a lie set to entrap us all into thinking we're all in it together and we're all the same and blah, blah, blah. Um, but he knew differently. And that's, that's yeah. critical. He says Buck was too timid to assert the dominant significance of the new consciousness. Yeah, you're right. And that is just what Ospensky has done in the last page of his book. Mm. He's asserted the dominance of the new consciousness, i.e. <laughs> right. e. this master race. And the new, yeah. new master... By the way, it, it's not insignificant that he mentioned first the new master that's coming. Not the master race, he mentioned it. This is significant because all of that passage that's just gone before points to a pyramid structure where there will be one dominant figure at the top, the master, the master of the master race, and then we're all in the layers beneath. Hierarchical, pyramidal structure. And yet Buck did talk about bloodlines. Yes, Buck I know. Buck went, went, yeah, went was for gold as well. But he was too timid to talk about <laughs> the, the dominant nature of it and how it's going to really lord it over the rest of humanity and judge them we remember we are the old race we're not evolved we are the old race when he talks about the old races he means us yeah you and I we're not we're not we're not sitting there with the new master that comes along or the new master race that comes along we're not sitting alongside them saying oh yeah look at those old races down there bloody useless wasn't it thank god we're up here no we are the old race that will be judged by the master race who are already here. This is this isn't ambigu ambiguous. It's just not ambiguous at all. You know, there is there is no denying what he's saying here. We can't mm -hmm. give him a pass. He's, oh no, he's no, we it. can't. He's saying he is saying it. He's got a shovel and he keeps digging. Yeah. So this idea of natural growth of consciousness about Doctor Buck, basically, he's saying that those of you who have the genetics, can achieve it. But the rest of you, don't even bother. What's the point? We may further, with regard to Dr. Buck's entire book, that touching the idea of the natural growth of consciousness, he does not notice that these faculties do not unfold, unfold themselves per force. Conscious work on them is necessary. Yeah, and he's also already saying, too, that, that it's um, you can't develop them if you haven't been born with them. Pretty much. Which you've got to have that spark. Which uh, you know, I'm I'm questioning. And, yeah, and, and he does not dwell at all on conscious efforts in this direction, on the idea of the culture of cosmic consciousness. And get ready. Meanwhile, there exists a whole series of psychological teachings, occultism, yoga, etc., 
and a large literature having in view a systematic culture of the higher consciousness. Now we're talking about all of the occult literature and all of the religious literature where hidden in a lot of it, but out in the open in some of it, is the idea of the mystical nature of religion. The mystical nature of religion we've already been through is hidden from us, the old race, the masses, the morons, the slaves. There's tons of literature telling you how this works. Tons. Tons upon tons. But they don't they don't teach you how to interpret it. If you go to no. a, if you go to a, a Catholic church and and they and they might be running a Bible class, perhaps not Catholic because they don't want you to know anything. But um, you know, one of the organised Christian churches that will run a Baptist one, for example, would um, running some kind of Bible class, you'll get no interpretation of the mystical nature of the religion whatsoever. The word is the word, and it doesn't matter whose mm. translation they're using. Often it's the King James. <laughs> My God. I, I know who the translators were. I know who was who was put who put that together. I know I know the reptile that actually commissioned it. The the master race at the top of the pyramid, James the First of England, sixth of Scotland. And I know the people who he got to put that version together. It's, it's significant that no version of it, no version of it looks at the Old Testament with Bereshit bara Elohim and translate it as, in the beginning, the gods, plural, which is what it is in that Hebrew that I've just said. The biblical Hebrew, Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning, the gods, and then it's going to say created, blah, blah, blah. So here we go. Um, the, the translations of the Bible are specifically designed to keep you away from the mystical nature of it. Um, that's, I mean, the Old Testament there, particularly Genesis, is virtually science. It's occult science, and it's telling you how all creation happens. The first spark, then duality, blah, blah, blah. And you can look at it, you can see it there on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. But um, there's, there's nothing here that helps us. Spensky spent quite a bit talking about that. Now I'm just thinking, why is he talking about that? Because he knows you'll never get it. He doesn't tell you how to how to like drag the mysticism out of these texts. He just tells you that they're there. And then you'll scratch your head wondering how. Well, I was more thinking too. It comes down to who does he think his audience is? If Whoa. he thinks he's talking to the people of the master race, which possibly he thinks he is, then, uh, you know, he's, he's just showing what how much he knows. Yeah, well, there are people who are unawakened in the DNA, in the bloodline. There, there are organisations around the world. They are now. By the way, look this up for yourself. You can find this. There is an organisation called the College of Arms in England. Have a look at Wikipedia and find out what what the mainstream belief of what the College of Arms is. And then have another look. And then actually put your thinking head on and start thinking about the things that it does and then what it might do. You see, when we need to have an idea of who a royal family can and should marry into, it's the College of Arms they go to. The College of Arms validates the bloodline of the prospective royal incumbent. So, for example, 
you might you might find that there are people who don't realize that they that they do have this genetics this potential to be a master race these will be found they will be perhaps introduced to new ways of thinking and new ways of teaching and Uspensky might have hoped rather like Machiavelli hoped in the Renaissance Uspensky might have hoped that his book would be used as one of the training manuals for souls that need to be awakened into their true potential so that they can actually serve the hierarchy and be, become part of it. I dare say that that is a, a potential use of this book. It's certainly of zero value to ordinary people. I mean, we've read it now. We're, we're coming to the home few pages of the very final chapter. Um, you, you pick this up off the street and it won't take you anywhere. There are no techniques in here for doing anything other than to tell you that the world isn't what you think it is. And how, scientifically, we can show you that it's not what you think it is. This would benefit somebody who is being made aware that they belong to something different. Just like Machiavelli wrote The Prince so that the Florence, um, the, the hierarchy of Florence, which is the Medici family, <laughs> bloody hell, Ubermensch if ever there was a, a bloodline, um, from the from that that stake but the Medici um, he wanted to make sure that they understood that he was their servant and that he was useful to them so he wrote the book the prince how how to behave as a prince of a master race Whew. all right well I'm going to continue with the keep things. going getting, keep going yeah getting worse and worse isn't it well, he says yeah, keep going, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just keep going anyway. In one portion, he's talking about Buck's book still. I know. <laughs> In one portion of his book, he speaks very contemptuously regarding the use of narcotics for the creation of, ex of ecstatic states, not taking into consideration the fact that narcotics cannot give anything that man does not possess. He's basically saying uh, you won't get that experience. So he's just finished talking about being the mystical experience unless you have some already uh, predisposition. I think that's what he's saying. Well, you know, um, it looks like, I mean, look, Buck even says that the nar that narcotics do give you the, the mis mystical states and the psychedelic experiences, what we now call it. Um but but Buck knocks it on the head by saying that actually you don't need it because it's already there within you. You can actually find mm -hmm. this yourself. You can find it by other means. I would agree. Most shamanic cultures do, despite the the, the popular current wis wisdom. By the way, wisdom in italics, in um, quotes and in capitals, because it's not not wise at all. That where where people who want to promote psychedelics will say anything to try to get their point of view across. And they will try to tell you that black is white and that all shamanic cultures use drugs to, to get to that state of consciousness, when actually anthropology will tell you that 90% of them don't. 90% don't. Yeah. They achieve it by other means, more often than not by sound, which is why drumming is prevalent in shamanic cultures. But nevertheless, um, Uspensky, you know, is is trying to say that, you know, that Buck doesn't take into consideration the fact that narcotics cannot give anything that a man does not possess. 
Well, I didn't think that Buck said that. I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get that from Buck at all. I mean, Buck, Buck was um, saying that they, they can be used and and that they can be a useful gateway. I think what Uspensky is doing here is saying that, well, you know, there are some others that don't need anything. We are the ubermensch race who are already predisposed to having this experience and we can be trained to have it um, without use of any narcotics. Yeah, well, he says, but can I, uh, he's saying that, you know, that, that they already, um, already, man already possesses these things. He says, but but can only in certain cases unfold that which is already in the soul of man and he does it, say in certain cases yeah i know and it's and he didn't put that in italics did he but that's the significant mm-hmm. phrase in certain cases i.e if you are of this ubermensch bloodline if you have that genetics yeah it's uh and he says this entirely alters the point of view upon narcotics as professor william james and he's given him his full name he must be in trouble has shown in his book the varieties of religious experience yeah i can't wait to get that one yeah (laughs) um he says in general allured by the evolutionary uh point of view so you know that's that was buck's point of view um, looking to the future buck like many others does not pay significant attention to the present okay i I mean look usually you mentioned this so i'm wondering ah i was just going to ask you because in my book where he says looking at the future that's in italics in mine yes okay it is in yours as well dr buck like many others does not pay sufficient attention to the present before we even look at the the next couple of lines Let's talk about that. What he's saying is, we don't have to look to the future to find the Superman and the the master race and people who are predisposed to having this experience. We should actually be looking around us right now because they're right here, right now, living as humans right now. Yes. The new consciousness which men may discover or unfold in themselves now is indeed far more important than that which may or may not appear in other men millenniums hence in other words the people who've already got it it's a done deal they are your masters yeah you're toast yeah you're just nothing you'll be if you're useful to them you'll serve that useful purpose as a slave other than that you're not needed so moving on moving on yes (laughs) anyone feeling a little unhappy I am. Well, that's only um, because you were invested in liking Uspensky for so many years. I, I never had that investment, so I'm not unhappy about it. I'm just glad that he's shown his colours. Yes, he's taken 23 chapters. Mind you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 investment, yeah, my, my investment has been a whole year of my life, but nonetheless. Yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, su- I suppose it has. It has, yes. Anyway, let's continue. continue. Um, regarded from different standpoints, the complex forms of the manifestation of spirit and analysing the views and opinions of various authors, we are always confronted with what seem to be consecutive phases or consecutive stages of the unfoldment of consciousness. So his... He's sort of saying, well, hang on a second, with all these people that have already got it, they're already here. And then he's gone into saying, well, you know, a lot of us think 
that these stage there there are stages and phases and you know you're kind of working towards them. Yeah, well, he's, um, he's he's going to come and tell us that there are four, and and forget the working towards them because he tells us that the people who are, are already amongst us have already got them. They're already. That's what. I, yeah, that's the point, he's, isn't he's it? Not, it's he's like, not. He's not giving us any hope here. He's just telling us that that the the master race already have these, and they you know they're quite clear to anybody else that knows. Yes. So. Still further, consideration of man of the higher type reveals the presence of all the four forms of consciousness which are in living nature with forms corresponding to them. He has helpfully given us a table, which obviously, <laughs> obviously to a listening audience is meaningless, but there are three columns in this table, forms of consciousness, the living world, and man of the higher type. So just to give you an idea, I'm not going to go through the whole table. There, there are rows. There, there are also the four rows and the three columns. So the top row is latent consciousness, similar to our instincts and subconscious feelings. That's the form of consciousness. How that corresponds to the living world is cells, groups of cells, plants, lower animals, and organs and parts of body of higher animals and of man. And in man of the higher type, latent consciousness. Um, corresponds to cells, groups of cells, tissues and organs of the body. In other words, they're physiologically different to us. Remember, we're only discussing men of the higher type. I'm not going to go through all four uh, um, of the rows. It's not worth doing. Um, anybody can feel free to grab a copy of Uspensky's Tertium Organum and have a look at it for yourself. You could probably find it online if you search for it. The Table of the Four Forms, the, yeah, the Table of the Four Forms by P.D. Uspensky, and you'll find it. So he's sort of he's sort of poo-hooing this this system, you know, man trying to systemize consciousness into these ascending levels because he's saying, well, you know, why why are you saying? You know that that you you ascend your you know raise your consciousness you go through all these levels when everything exists all at once anyway. Well, so well, you know. isn't isn't this funny? Because since the new age, we've had this ascension culture from new ages. These raise your vibration, ascend to new levels, you know, to to new dimensions, etc. And Spensky's telling you a blatant truth here. That's not how you do it. That's bullshit. If you achieve an exalted state of consciousness, it happens simultaneously. Boom, all four appear at once. And there are people wandering around this earth, perhaps not wandering, that already have all four installed, working, ready to rock and roll. And, you know, and they've organized themselves into a hierarchical structure of which you are the bottom. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yes. The evolutionary standpoint is often made the means of escape from difficult problems and from hard thinking. In other words, you can tell yourself that it's all a gradual process and you, you'll get there in the end. And if not you, your children or generations to come. So if you do the work, it will eventually happen. Well, the hard thinking is, fuck that. It's already here. And if you ain't one of them, you are going to be in a world of pain. Yep. There is no evolution. He's telling us that this evolutionary theory that you've all been bamboozled with is another fake science to keep you enslaved and to stop you from achieving your potential. 
because you won't even try. You'll be bamboozled into thinking that evolution is a slow process. You won't see it in your lifetime, so it doesn't matter much. Yeah, right. Keep trying, keep trying. But Uspensky is telling whoever this book is meant for, um, hey, that's that's for the that's for the morons. That's that's for the masses. That's for the slaves. You, boom, simultaneous experience. That flash of inspiration puts all four in at one go. Yeah, job done. I like his uh, analogy with the elephant, I must say. Um, he says uh, it's about evolutionists. He said, uh, you know, if if you're thinking about this hierarchical state, it's, it's like a blind man in the Oriental fable who feel of an elephant in different places. And one affirms that the elephant is like pillars, another that it is like a thick rope and so forth. Yep. The evolutionists, however, add to this that the trunk of the elephant must evolve from the feet, the ears from the trunk, and so on. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah. But but uh, we all know that the elephant is a single being unknown to men who are blind. Yep. Yeah, I like that analogy. Yeah, because most of us are the blind man feeling their way around this world. But the, the ubermensch, the master race, the higher race, they already know the things that we are kept from, the rest of us are kept from. Yeah. Such a being is living in the world, and with regard to the forms of consciousness, it is far more correct to consider them not as the consecutive phases or steps of evolution, which are separate from one another, but as different sides or parts of one whole, which we do not know. Right, now you're starting to see the value of the mathematical models that he posed in the early chapters. Mm. The the Ubermensch sees all sides of it. The Ubermensch understands life and reality and truth. And we are kept from it. Not only do we not see it, we are absolutely kept from it. Yeah. Which which lets you know something about the master race. Then they don't have our best interests at heart. You don't think. Hey, I sure. don't think. No. Surely. Yes, I know. Hard though <laughs> Where did you that get is that to, idea from? Hard though it is to come to terms with that, yeah. Difficult though it may be. So where do we go from here? Right, so keep on going. In man, this unity is apparent. All forms of consciousness in him are equally necessary. The, uh, this is interesting. The life of cells and organs with their consciousness, the life of the entire body taken as a whole, the life of the emotions and the logical reason and the life of the intuitions. Well, this is the whole. This was the interesting part about the whole book. You know, thinking about everything is conscious. Everything has you know consciousness. Mm. But uh, it, it's coming down to. But some are more conscious than others. <laughs> I think you know the some yeah, are more equal. That's than right. Others. <laughs> yes, some some men are more equal than others. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I think he's saying. In, in, um, mind, in mind, the wording is slightly different to the the par- ah. passage you just you know. It may or may not be significance. He says, in man, man in inverted commas again, this unity is apparent. All forms of consciousness in him can exist simultaneously. Can exist simultaneously. Doesn't in everyone. The life of cells and organs with their consciousness. The life of the entire body taken as a whole. The life of the emotions and of the logical reason and the life of the higher understanding and feeling. Uh, if you look at the tree of life, the, the Kabbalistic glyph with the ten sephiroth, uh, 
which people sometimes uh, erroneously say sephirah, as though that's the plural of sephiroth, which it fucking isn't. Um, but if you look at that glyph, then you will see that paragraph laid out bare. It's an occult unity. So he's just slipped and pasted, is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying that he's described an occult system of understanding that's not accessible to ordinary people. Ah. But, but those of, those of um, a higher genetic understanding have been drawn to it. He's using the word genetic understanding. That's, you know, like it's, that's a bloodline's yes, reference to everyone. I use, I, use, I use the term all the time. They don't come and they don't come and pull you out of the street, do they? And say, "Here, um, let's raise your consciousness so that you can see everything and have all of these four ideas simultaneously imbued into your presence, installed, working for you now, and making you have a higher form of existence and enjoyment of your existence than you previously did." Nobody comes dragging you out, but they do prepare them. And they make sure that they marry into each other. And at lower levels, people get jobs who are perhaps not part of... You think that they're not part of the bloodline? This is where that organisation, the College of Arms, comes in. It knows all of it. Why do you think that certainly in the last five or six years, there's something called Ancestry.com and there's one or two others that are offering to do genetic testing on you? <laughs> Oh, yes, ding, 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 jackpot. They'll send you a kit and they'll find you. You'll pay them $30 or whatever it is in your country. It's 30 quid or something here. And they'll send you the kit and then they'll tell you where you come from. Oh, I'm 20% I'm Viking and I'm 5% Celtic and I'm 20% Negro or whatever the heck. They use that, those terms because they're anthropological terms. So it's not a cultural thing and the word isn't meant as an insult. You're, anyway. They, but, but this has become a big thing. Why? Because they're creating a global database and, and it makes it very, very easy. There are people who are put into positions of power that you wouldn't think have any relation to a bloodline of a ruling class. Let's say a, a monarchy, uh, a hereditary monarchy, like the Saxe-Coburg Gothas, who are currently top of the tree. Um, however... The College of Arms will know what their bloodline is, and some people get favoured more than others, and they're put into positions, and they're, they're without doubt taught what they need to be taught. But Uspensky would have known this. Ah, the plot thickens. The plot thickens. Yeah, All right, so, so the next bit I've got, which may yeah. differ from yours, the higher intuitive forms of consciousness is necessary first of all for life, for oh, the organisation of... Okay, oh, right. Different? Yeah, completely. It's exactly the opposite. Ooh, exactly the opposite. I read it wrong. Well, I don't know, but in my book, he says the higher form of consciousness is not necessary for life. It is possible Ooh. to live without it. Doesn't say that at all. Well, let Mine me tell does you, not say well, that. Well, let me tell you why he's revised that. It's because he wants ordinary people if they ever get their hands on this book, to know that they might just be one of the unlucky motherfuckers. <laughs> They're going to live without it. It's a, it is okay. You don't, you don't need to strive for this higher form of consciousness. It is possible to live without it, so don't bother. Leave that to the rest of us, the ubermensch, the master race. Leave that to us. Don't worry. You don't you worry yourself about it. You'll get on all right.
Well, he says after that... He says, but without it, the organisation and orderliness of life is impossible. In other words, let us, who do have it, organise your life. Organise all life on this planet. We'll be the masters. You just carry on as you are, um, and we'll organise your life for you. We'll put you in the place where you need to be. That's what that says. Whew. Well, he has changed it a lot. I'm going to tell you what he says next. Because he has said it is necessary, first of all, for life in italics, mm -hmm. for the organisation of life on Earth as we are already beginning to conceive it. Long under the domination of materialism and positive thinking, forgetting and perverting religious ideas, men thought that it was possible to live by the merely logical mind alone. Have you got mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I have got that bit. Long under the domination of materialism and positive thinking, Forgetting and perverting religi religious ideas, men thought that it was possible to live by the merely logical mind alone. But now, little by little, it's becoming quite evident to those who have eyes that merely by the exercise of logical reason, men will not be able to organise their life on earth. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's no need. The point is right there. The point is right mm. there. He's just said that you can live without, without it. You can, you can be one that just has logical reason. In other words, you believe in science, the fake science that they've put in front of you, that's based, that's based it claims, upon logic and, and positivism. Um, you can live like that, but you won't be able to organise yourselves properly. That takes people that can see all four things at once, the master race. Impossible conditions of life in which everything gained will be lost, i.e. everything that was given them in the past by men of cosmic consciousness. Everything that was given them in the past by yeah. men of cosmic consciousness. Yeah. What the hell? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Enough said. I, don't, uh, I was going to say we don't really need to say it, do we? We know what, that, what he's just said. <laughs> It's like, could it be any clearer? I know. What we, I mean, is? honestly, we, we're constantly going around in circles now. Every paragraph is telling us the same story. Oh. But keep keep going. <laughs> keep, keep, keep going. On. Right. I've got a line drawn under that. So he's starting yeah. a new thought. Not. Yeah, same here. The living, world, <laughs> the living world of nature, including man, is analogous to man. And it is more correct and more convenient to regard the different forms of consciousness in different divisions and strata of living nature as belonging to one organism and performing different but related functions than as separate and evolving from one another. So he's saying, you know, we like to think that we're all evolving together and all going, you know, in the one direction. But he's saying, oh, no, some of us are evolving separately to you lot. That's right. That's exactly what he's saying. And by yeah. the way, and by the way, we're the higher ones. <laughs> he hasn't said that here, oh. but that's what he means. <laughs> yes then the necessity disappears for all this naive theorising on the subject of evolution. Um, <laughs> we do not regard the organs and members of the body of man as evolved from one another, and then in, 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 a, in, a, in a given, given individual, individual, we should not be guilty of the same error in relation to the organs and members of the body of living nature. That's right. In other words... The whole of living nature, the whole world, everything in it, stones, fish, dogs, cats, everything, if we should regard that as one organism and nothing evolves quicker within it than the thing itself. 
So basically, what you don't get, let's let's reduce this to to man because he isn't interested in the world and and the whole of nature. But what he's saying is, within the whole, don't think that you lower species can evolve yourselves out of the of the the slavery that you're in because you can't evolve at a at a race separate to the the culture that we've put you in. In other words. You won't evolve your way out of the cultural uh, mesh that we, the higher race, have put you in. That's what that means. Yeah. Unless you uh, are destined for that and we have decreed. Yep. It's not true, by the way. You can, as an ind individual, develop these, these ways of seeing and ways of being, but you won't have the genetics that they've got. They are different. Anyway, moving on. So can we just talk about that for a minute? Because, you know, I I do not feel that uh, he's right. That, yeah, sure, these, you know, they, okay, these bloodlines and they had their, their you know, they've got their, their, their head start. But I don't agree that uh, that we're destined just because they say so. Yeah, we are. We are. Because we can't come out of it. You can't do this... Uh other than individual. The work has to be done by you. In the end, you can belong to any occult order, you can do all this stuff, but in the end, it's you. You have to do the work for you as an individual. So there won't be any race evolution. There is no easy way out. We're not just getting there, which Dr. Brock oh, sorry. alludes to. Yeah, no. What I mean is, as an individual, mm. I, I will not accept that I can't give it a crack. And succeed if I'm like. You still won't become one of them. I don't want to become one of them. I do not want to become one of them. But just to say, to improve my experience of life, I want to be able to break free from my restrictions of whatever my thinking is and expand my thinking. I, I still hold hope that I can do that yeah. as an individual. You can teach a horse to count. I've seen it done, and they, they stamp their hoof. Count to four. One, two, three, four. It's, it's at um, an intellectual level, higher than most other horses, but it is nevertheless still a fucking horse. It hasn't become human or anything. It hasn't evolved higher. In other words, we can, we can acquire certain of these qualities, but we still are a different thing to the, the ubermensch that Uspensky's talking about here, the master race. Because they have it within them to have the four qualities simultaneously, quickly, and all they have to do is have that key unlocked. The rest of us have to fucking work at it. So he claims. So he claims. That's what I'm saying. Do you think he's right? No, yeah, I do pretty much think he's right. Right. All right. Well, well this, what, this comes down to morality. Look, I'll tell you why, you know, you and others probably go, hmm, great, about that. It's because you have this, you're still living in this dual idea of good and evil, and that they are evil. They are not fucking evil. There is no good and evil. They are just, they're just living the way they want to live. The fact that that happens to enslave us, from our perspective, that's evil. From the whole of the universe's perspective, is it? No, because there isn't. And beyond beyond this illusion of positivism, 
There is no such thing as good and evil. Uspensky's been right about pointing that out all the way through the book. By the way, have you noticed that he's pointed that out right the way through the book? Because and yes, I've ke- and I've kept pointing out <laughs> the the morality trap, and that the fact that we have been led to believe in good and evil allows them to impose a morality on us that keeps us enslaved while they don't keep to that moral code. I've pointed it out all the way through this book. What do you think um, Spensky's been telling the potential reader of this book? It's been telling them that there is no good and evil. Do what you want to do. Interesting, yes. Don't don't live in the trap of morality that we've put everybody else into. That's what he's telling people constantly throughout this book. And he's used good and evil as the analogy of the non-existence of duality time and time and time again. I use it all the time too. So I was thrilled to find that Uspensky uses it. But we do know why he's using it. He's telling the potential reader... Uh, don't don't trap yourself by a moral code that's been imposed upon you. If you do, you're not one of the master race, you're one of the slaves. The master race does not live by that moral code. I don't know what to do with that. Um... Don't matter. It's like, you know, you, 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 you're upset by some of these things, but only because you're looking out from the perspective of a moral co- cage that you've been locked into. Yeah, that's that's the thing, and I feel like I've locked myself in that cage. What, like the seven and a half billion people on Earth? Because virtually all of them are. So where do we go from here, Giza? Okay, so I'm going to leave it there, Pete. I think we've got one last uh, section to go, and I, as as we've always said, we don't want to rush things. So I think this is a great place to stop, and uh, we can continue with the very last part of the Tertium Organum in our next podcast. Wow, can't believe that we've got this far without being shot. But there it is. Uh, <laughs> it's been a fantastic uh, year. It's been a great run doing this. So, yeah, next time, that's it. That's it. Yep, marathon effort. And we're nearly at the end of 2020. So, all right. Well, thanks, thanks again. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>